Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, January 16th. Happy Travel Tuesday. Hope you had a great holiday weekend there over MLK holiday. Maybe you did some travels, had a good time. Hopefully the weather didn't impact you too much. And we got a fun show today. We'll be talking wave season. It's good to be back. I had a vacation, got to travel last week to Disney World. A lot of fun. So great to see the magic through the kids' eyes. So you can contact us at podcast at travelpulse.com. We also have a hotline for the show too. You call in, leave a message if you want. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. And now joining me on the show is Jesse Morris, owner of We Book Travel. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Hey, uh, Eric. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're a uh, we're an agency that uh, we have agents on both coasts, and uh, we've been in business now about eight years, and uh, we've we've done really really well. Uh, Post wave season has been extremely strong for us, and uh, I've had the good opportunity to share uh, several of my uh, my my thoughts and. Uh, be a, an important part of global travel marketplace. I was on their advisory board uh, recently, and uh, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to share perspectives uh, on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for hopping back on, man. Really excited to talk 2024 wave season in the cruise industry here. And yes, Jesse and I met at Global Travel Marketplace, so a great event for you travel advisor listeners out there. Make sure you check that out, and suppliers too. You want to join in on that because you can meet fine agents like Jesse here, million dollar agents at Global Travel Marketplace. And Jesse and I have also connected in person at Cruise World too. So great events. Um, always nice to meet people and, you know, engage with advisors and suppliers at these events. And and as we jump into the wave season stuff, we will get to that later on in the podcast. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with Mother Nature's wreaking havoc once again. Weather continues to batter the airlines and the airports. Winter travel woes continue, unfortunately, after another a long weekend here, a holiday weekend with MLK Day. Uh, still good TSA numbers, over 2 million throughout the weekend, but thousands and thousands of flights were delayed and canceled in the U.S. over the holiday weekend and continuing in today, too, here on Tuesday. So, Jesse, as, as an advisor, how do you deal with these storms wreaking havoc on travel plans? And what's your advice to our fellow travel advisor listeners on dealing with the winter travel woes season? Yeah, this is definitely timely, right? We have uh, we have snow here and uh, just outside of Richmond, Virginia, where I'm located. And, uh, you know, with all the, the cancellations that come up, uh, not just now, but, you know, are going to happen. Uh, throughout the various seasons, whether it be due to winter weather or or even later when we have hurricanes and, and things of that nature. And I think the, the most important thing to remember is uh, when it comes to advising your clients, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as they say. And uh, so generally speaking, uh, you know, I, I start with making sure that my clients understand just how important travel insurance is going to be, uh, you know, having that trip interruption, trip delay, that sort of coverage is going to be super important. Uh, but also, there's some things you can do to really minimize the impact points, right? If uh, if you're scheduling a trip and you're flying down to, let's say, down to Cancun, you're going to do an all-inclusive resort for the weekend. Uh, a lot of people will try to save money on their flights by doing, you know, more than one or at least one stop, uh, sometimes more than one stop. Uh, 
uh, short layovers, uh, things like that. And the, the more of those sort of things you have built into a trip, uh, the more likelihood you're going to get impacted by this weather. So direct flights is the first thing that I recommend to my clients every time. Look, it's going to cost you a little bit more. Uh, but honestly, if you're, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're, you're laying over somewhere else, then that's another chance for that plane to not necessarily get off the ground. Uh, and then also talking to them about expanding the travel window. If you need to be somewhere on a Monday through Friday, uh, flying out on a Sunday and flying back on a Saturday is going to, uh, you know, make sure that if something does happen, it doesn't impact that time that you have to be there. Uh, and then finally, you know, just making sure that we're recommending patience, understanding, and empathy because the folks at the airport, it's not their fault. They're not in control of Mother Nature and uh, getting that uh, abuse uh, that they're liable to take from uh, from the various people who are upset about their travel plans being impacted. Well, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're trying to be as kind as possible. Uh, from an agent perspective, it's just buckle up and hold on because those calls are going to come in uh, and be prepared. But if you try to do the things uh, correctly on the front end, you can maybe minimize some of the impact on the back end. Great sound advice. Yes. And in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Absolutely. It is not the fault of the airline workers here, especially, you know, as Mother Nature is doing her thing and being unpredictable. And, you know, it's, I, I love the snow, but I don't love the ice and snow impacting travel plans out there. But it happens. It's it's winter and it's bound to, you know, wreak havoc. And uh, I think the, the advice there on, you know, not laying over if you can is well said. But unfortunately, a lot of people out there in some destinations where they got no choice. So that's where travel insurance definitely comes in handy when, when you have that too. So, and, you know, speaking of the airlines, we're going to jump over to the airline news and what's trending there is Boeing. They're off to a rough start in 2024. It was a tough week last week for them as the FAA is launching an investigation into Boeing too, after the door blew off the Alaska Airlines 737 MAX 9 plane. That plane remains grounded as the FAA said it wants to have data on at least 40 more planes in its investigation. Initial speculation had the planes returning as soon as Saturday, January 13th. So basically like a week to take care of that. But I'm, I'm glad that they're taking their time. It is very wise to make sure that they are taking their time on that and that this is as safe as possible. Nothing else is like this can happen again. So Jesse, your, your thoughts on Boeing and this wild story here to start 2024. Any thoughts on you know where they go from here as a company and a brand? Yeah, this is a, a really interesting uh, sort of story, but I think it's pretty consistent when you look at you know Boeing's past. They've had some issues with planes, and uh, stock price has taken a hammering up and down uh, over the years based on those things. And then you give it a little bit of time, and things get better. Uh, you know, when you think about the number of planes in the air as as a whole, there are about twenty three thousand five hundred active uh, aircraft, and this is impacting one hundred and seventy one total planes. So it's, it's not a massive impact in terms of that. It's more of a consumer confidence thing. You, you, do you want to get in a plane where the potential for the door to blow off? Uh, probably not. Uh, but they sell these planes for about $130 million a pop, and they sell more than 380 commercial aircraft a year, another 230 military aircraft. I'm pretty sure those guys are just saying, look, as long as we don't have any more issues, this too shall pass and, and things will be better. Um, I think that from uh, from a consumer perspective, I think uh, the more time that passes, uh, the better this is going to be. As long as, as I said, we don't continue to see issues with this particular 
uh, type of problem. Uh, it, it also, it's, it's interesting, Boeing has done a lot of deflecting onto the company that built these particular door plugs, which is where the issue is at. And so uh, that particular company has taken a bit of a hammering in the market as well. Uh, I think that uh, that from a, a flight perspective, I don't think that this is good for, for us as a whole. We're already having issues with winter weather causing, as we just talked about, winter weather causing some delays. Uh, we've had issues uh, pretty much since COVID with you know airlines not being able to keep the schedules due to staffing and some other issues. So less planes in the air is going to mean more potential issues. So uh, another reason why it's going to be important for uh, travelers to make sure that they are uh, building in some additional time when they're figuring out their flights. Yeah, I think Boeing's going to be all right on this. They didn't, you, you mentioned stock and they didn't even take that significantly of a drop, you know, when they had the uh, 737 MAX 8 grounded and now the, the 9 is grounded and yeah, they're tanking a bit. Uh, like a month ago, they were like 250 a share. Now it's at 202, 201. As I just looked at the, the stock price there. So I think they're going to be okay. It'll, I'm sure it'll bounce back up, as you said, and these, these planes cost a lot of money and as long as they don't have another issue, you know, it should should power through. So it, this may just be, you know, a small story on the aviation tr- travel news, um, you know, at the end of the year when we're doing our recap podcast and looking back yeah. on what 2024 was. And that's certainly hopefully, you know, the case that it is, you know, only this, you know, brief story here in January and nothing else um, from that. But the story also did bring back the, uh, the infants on lap debate in the news cycle. So your, your thoughts there on that. Um, yeah, uh, well, and, and, and I do just want to go back a second. You mentioned they dropped from two, 250 to, to 201, but six months before that, they were at 170. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a yo-yo and the, it's part of the, the wild ride that comes with in, investing. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the stock price goes. So, yeah, you know, safety is, is an interesting thing when you think about, you know, what had happened if there was an infant on a lap and, and the, the door came off, um, you know, and it, it also reminds me of when you think about the the amount of injuries that just happen on planes in general. Uh, in 2022, uh, there was 853 million passengers and there were 17 reported injuries due to turbulence. Uh, that's not to minimize the, the concept that, you know, if there had been an infant on a lap, then something major could have happened there. We don't want to minimize that, that there's a potential for a safety issue. We want to do everything we can to protect as many people as possible. But, I mean, the, the numbers just don't met that out. That You know, the numbers say that flying is still the safest form of travel that you can possibly take. Definitely so, and the airlines love to market it as that. Uh, the whole infant on lap thing is interesting. I mean, airlines, you know, could charge necessarily for that, could come out and make a stronger stance on that post, you know, this happening. Uh, they certainly would if there was an infant in that uh, Boeing situation, thank goodness that there wasn't and no one was hurt in that um, plane uh, error issue, manufacturer meltdown. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just flew with the, my one-year-old son on my lap this you know past week uh, down to Florida, and I've got another one coming up. You know, I'm internally freaking out a little bit, but you know, I got to continually remind myself that flying is safe. You know, it is okay, but yeah, it's a but, scary you know, dilemma. Where- but. I think I think there's some optics here that any airline has to be really careful of, and that is trying to monetize this this potential for disaster. Right? They, you know, on the one hand, you're sitting here saying, you know, hey, you know, there's a potential for a problem here. But if they said, okay, this is an opportunity is for just us yeah. to charge more money to put infants in seats, 
I think that would have a blowback that would actually be much stronger the other direction. So, uh, you know, I think if, if they were to take a policy change uh, and say, look, infants can't sit in laps, but here's what we're going to do so that we don't have a material impact on families trying to travel, we'll, we'll you know, give an extra seat or do a half price seat or something along those lines. I think that's kind of the position they would have to take because if they don't, you know, to say, Hey, you know, we're doing this for the safety. There's going to be a lot of cynical people that look at it and go, no, you're using this as an opportunity to just charge more money. Absolutely. That would be the huge debate. And it still, you know, was what is discussed about this. So time will tell if that is ever, you know, comes to light and the airlines or government decides to put their foot down and, and make it a mandatory thing too. So for sure, we'll see. But jumping over to destination news. Now we got to look at the most powerful passports. So the Henley passport index report came out and listing the most powerful passports for the first time in the, the 19 years of them doing this ranking. Uh, six countries are actually tied for the top spot in having the most powerful passport. And they are France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Singapore, and Spain. And this means that citizens from all these countries are able to visit 194 destinations around the world, either visa-free or by obtaining a visa on arrival. Where is the United States in this list, you ask? They came in at number seven overall on this. So, Jesse, any thoughts here on on these powerful passports? And uh, how can the U.S. get to number one? Is that even an attainable thing for us ever? Yeah, I don't think that's attainable at all, and that that a large part of that is due to our position within the the globe diplomatically. Like we take most of we we take the point uh, and a lot of things diplomatically, and I think a lot of the reasons why um, you know uh, foreign countries can only take certain positions uh, if they don't like a policy that the United States has has tried to implement globally. Uh, and one of those is to say, well, we're going to make it far more difficult for your people to come here. And uh, I think the other thing, though, is when I took a look at this list, what was interesting, you know, 194 uh, uh, countries, the number one passport can get you in. The United States was, I think, 187. So we're talking seven different countries. So then I started looking through and say, oh, well, what are the countries that I can't go to uh, visa free or without a visa on arrival? And there were countries like uh, Iran and Venezuela and and some other countries and 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 those come back to screaming. Well, that that's clearly a, a, a diplomatic thing, and and not to mention, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't want to say that uh, Iran is not a hotbed of excitement for uh, leisure travel, but I, I don't think I've gotten any requests for that place. So uh, I think for the majority of Americans, the places that you will want to go through uh, and go to, the U.S. passport is significantly strong to to go to those places. And anywhere else is, you know, just maybe just a little bit extra. Definitely so. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. that. I, the, I think we're probably pretty good when it comes to our position as uh, as number seven. Yeah. You, you know how people always say, like, America loves to be number one and things. Or I don't know that this is something that they really care about being number one. At if, yeah. if it is. It's also interesting to note, too, that it usually it's Japan and Singapore are kind of leading the way. But this is the first time that. A lot of the more European nations made the ranking in, in that number one spot to, to obtain on 194. But yeah, well, I don't and, think- and I also think there's one other wrinkle here that may cause a, a lot of these nations to either drop down, including the U.S. And that's uh, when Europe finally uh, implements its. Uh, it's not really a visa, but it's a, a an e visa of some sorts that has to be acquired ahead of time. Are they going to think of that as? not visa on arrival or are they going to think of that as something that has to be an extra step uh, when arriving in the European nations and that's going to cause a huge chunk of countries that 
out of that 187 countries uh, that the United States can go to, uh, to maybe be removed from that list, not just for us, but for every other passport holder, uh, because they are going to require us to do that uh, online, uh, that online approval prior to coming to the Europe, to Europe. It, it keeps getting pushed back. It looks like the uh, first quarter of 2025 is when that's going to happen. Uh, assuming it still happens then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we could see some impact there. Yeah, that's been pushed back time and time again, it feels like. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, come 2025 on that front. But yeah, I think the U.S., we've got a pretty solid passport, nothing to fret over. But in other destination news as we round out that, uh, Las Vegas is now going to be banning people from stopping on pedestrian bridges. So the new ordinance uh, prohibits people from stopping, standing, or engaging in any activity that causes another person to stop on the strip, pedestrian bridges, or near escalators, elevators, or stairways connected to the bridges. Your thoughts here, Jesse? You know, the more I think about this, the more I think about those individuals who are standing in those areas and they're handing out cards in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you've been to Vegas, you, you, you've probably experienced that. Or people trying to sell things uh, in Vegas. And now while it is limited to bridges, uh, I think that's probably the behavior that they're trying to get around. But I think some people are going to look at that as, well, does that mean I can't stop and take a photo? Can I not take a selfie? And uh, they've come out and said, no, this isn't meant to to impact that. But at the same time, I mean, the way the law is written doesn't say, well, you can do this or this or that. So uh, I also think that it's a matter of there are a lot of laws that are on the books all over the world that uh, are not enforced, and I would be really curious as to at what point the people that are in charge of enforcing these particular rules look at it as well. This is just more complicated than we want to deal with, and we're just not going to we're not yeah. going to focus on it. That's a very good point on that, but I think it is more aimed at you know the people sitting down, maybe the buskers, you know, playing music, trying to you know earn some cash on the side, or homeless people yeah. standing by and begging for money, or you know the group of you know, uh, bachelor party people or whatever, hanging by the side of the escalator, elevator, stairway part, and, you know, smoking a blunt or something like that. They're trying to limit on, on, on that sort of things on here. So I think you'd be okay to, you know, pause and take a picture and at least try to. Sometimes you're not going to get a very good picture of those bridges. I've got plenty of, of uh, trash pictures from those pedestrian bridges, but some of them have turned out pretty nicely. So, and we use them on the For website, sure. but it, yeah, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, too negative of stuff. And I don't really think that they're going to be that strict of enforcement on anyone, you know, stopping and, and some selfies and stuff. Now, if someone's trying to do a full on TikTok video and they're posting up and they got their, you know, phone on the tripod and everything, then yeah, that's going to be an issue. But uh, quick flash mobs. Is that, yeah. is that going to be a thing of the past <laughs> there? Hard to say, right? right, right. Yeah. So, whew. and now jumping over to cruise news as we round out what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week, we got to talk about Royal Caribbean's viral moments. That's continually, you know, buzzing for them. They, they've had the nine month long ultimate world cruise has been going viral on social media over the last month. Now you also had the icon of the seas crew party in the Bahamas posted a lot of pictures and videos around that um, on the socials as they were gearing up, you know, for icon of the seas, big arrival, which did arrive into Miami last week. And that, you know, caused a lot of good buzz there too, for the cruise industry. And even, you know, they had the cat smuggled on board the cruise story that closed out 2023. So Jesse, your thoughts on Royal's big start to 2024 here and, you know, this world cruise going viral and icon of the season, everything there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, I actually got a video uh, that one of my clients was on board a uh, Virgin uh, in Miami and they were, uh, 
when Icon was coming into port, they were playing some really loud music and they shot a video and they sent that out. And when they posted that on, on Facebook, of course, it got a ton of views. And uh, we're, we're starting to see a, a kind of a shift in social media. Social media has always uh, been really impactful, but it's something about, um, you know, it, it people wanting to uh, see more and more of those short form video contents. It's also why I think TikTok has gotten so popular. Uh, Icon's going to be amazing. I, I'm supposed to board her on the 23rd, uh, taking her out for her uh, three day test drive. So I'm excited to see what that ship is going to be all about. She should be uh, uh, interesting. Uh, the largest ship in the world, 7,500 passengers, more than 10,000 people total when you include crew. Uh, should be uh, a, a really interesting uh, setup. So I'm looking. I think you're going to be on that ship as well, aren't you? Yes, uh, I will be on that. Um, the sailing there, the little preview and you know, um, launching sailing there uh, for media and advisors and stuff. So looking forward to seeing what Icon is all about. And yeah, this World Crew stuff. I mean, it's just a, a huge hit for Royal Caribbean, and you know, got to be able to capitalize on that uh, as, as Royal. I'm sure is figuring out, continually figuring out, you know, ways to to capitalize on that. And I'm sure other cruise lines are looking at that, this and going, you know, how can we get on in this mix and go viral on social media and can people continuously talking about our cruise line brand? So, well, uh, and another thing that's generating a ton of conversation is the fact that Icon now has a dog on board. Yes, it does have a chief dog officer. So I'm looking <laughs> and, forward to, I've got to find him. Every, everyone loves a dog, right? So now they have a, you know, a, a chief canine officer, I guess is what we're going to call it. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that be something that happens across multiple cruise lines. Uh, somebody gets a good idea. And of course, everybody's like, oh, I want to go see the puppy. And it's just drawing more and more eyeballs to that brand. It's, it's a pretty smart marketing decision for them to make. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see a cat as well <laughs> on that front uh, as a chief cat officer or something just as a countermeasure from one of the other cruise lines because yeah people love cats too uh, people love dogs people love animals so maybe we'll get a cruise line bird or something uh hopefully they don't continually go try to one-up each other and go too extreme on things i think just you know household pet stuff is probably the best bet on this but yeah and entice another people uh to, to cruise on that front so certainly For interesting sure. and as we talk about cruise here let's segue into our theme of the week over on 2024 wave season as that all wraps up what was trending in travel. Any additional thoughts on the new stuff that we did talk about? You can drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. Now, Jesse, 2024 wave season. You know, most of our listeners probably know what wave season is, but for anyone that is listening who may not, just give us a quick overview of what wave season is from your perspective. So uh, wave season is, is I, I think the definition of wave season may be changing us, but traditionally wave season has always been January, February, March. It's the time of year when the most people uh, are booking their trips. 
Uh, they're getting year-end bonuses. They're getting tax refunds back. They're having conversations with their family over the holidays, and they're making decisions to travel. And this is the time of year in which they do it. And that the cruise lines and tour operators and and all-inclusive resorts are all sitting back and they're offering their very best deals. The the a large chunk of trips is booked during their, this first three months. And uh, prior to COVID, that was a very consistent thing. You could count on January, February, March is busy. April's going to drop off and you can then take a break. But then uh, post-COVID, we kind of didn't really have a wave season. We had more of a wave year. Uh, and even coming into this year, while I'm, I, in my own agency, I saw a little bit of a, a lightening up in, in October, November. December was actually the highest month of, on record for my agency in its entire history, uh, which is not common among waves. Usually December is, is starting a little bit, especially towards the end of December, but then January is when everything hits. And so uh, I think we may be seeing a shift in what wave season's definition may end up being. Uh, it may be expanding a little bit more, maybe adding December in. Uh, but this is also the opportunity from, from an agency perspective for us to take a look at what are the promos that suppliers are out there offering for us to actively market to our client bases and be able to you know, whether it's send out an email and pick up the phone and say, hey, here's here's what we have going on and something I think would be great for you and for us to be able to capture as many of the opportunities that exist while making sure our clients get the best opportunities possible. Yeah, so you're thinking, you know, kind of a big wave season here. I, I do feel that there is kind of a shift on that. I've talked to other advisors about, you know, December was busier than they expected it to be. And that's a lot of people just, you know, gearing up um, a lot of hype around travel in general, because we're so excited to, to get ahead to the new year and get a jump on things. And, you know, there were some, I did see the, the wave season deals come in, you know, earlier in December than I do remember, I think from last year, but that was also, you know, cruise industry was still kind of recovering and everything. So, you know, they're jumping out in front on this time uh, for this one. Haven't seen a whole lot of all-inclusive deals, but traditionally wave season and, and, you know, deals wise, I feel like has always been, you know, cruise side of things. So you're, you're expecting, you know, big things for the cruise industry, 2024 wave season and, and travel industry as a whole here? Uh, I think so. I, it, what's interesting is that when you look at the, the, the deals, the quote unquote deals that you see out there from uh, for wave season, they're not as robust as maybe they were in past years. And I think that's just because uh, as an industry, we have just been, you know, gangbusters since, you know, COVID ended. And maybe they feel like, well, we don't really necessarily have to offer a whole lot because the business is going to be there. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens, you know, if January is not quite as robust you know, when we get to the end of it as, as they might have expected because we captured a lot of January business in December and there's not as much uh, boost. Maybe we'll see some some renewed wave, wave offers come out or we may just see a shift of instead of March being wave, now we've moved it to December or it could be now an extended, you know, December through, through March wave. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how all that turns out, but only time is really going to tell us what those numbers meant out to be. I'm really hoping that cruise lines and all-inclusive resort providers uh, sit back and, and, and review those uh, offers that are out there because they haven't been as robust as, as we would like. And I think there's more business to be captured maybe with some additional uh, supplier offers that could help us out. Yes, the deals and incentives, they they certainly go a long way and entice a lot of people. And I think help you land, you know, new clients, maybe new to cruising clients too. That, that seems like a market that is continually growing as well for the cruise industry, right? Uh, oh, totally. I mean, we're seeing, I, I've actually in the last, you know, three, four months have booked more new, new to cruise travelers 
than I have in, in, in previous couple of years, just because people are, you know, hearing some good things. I think we were just talking about the social media buzz uh, and the viral videos going around, you know, rural Caribbean and they're seeing advertisements on television. Icon is, is, is plastered literally on every channel that you watch. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in my business networking event and people that have never cruised before are asking me, well, tell me what is, what is this icon all about? Uh, and they have a dog on board and, and just those sort of things kind of all play into each other and more conversations happening uh, around getting people who haven't experienced those things before to maybe give them a try. Definitely so. And we talk about, you know, new to cruise, you know, that I'm sure they're really enticed by the Caribbean routes, but you know, you can cruise all over this beautiful world that we live in. So what's booking hot for 2024 and cruising and, you know, anything already jumping out for 2025 as bookings continuously pop up here? I'm seeing more Alaska than I expected. Now, Alaska is always a hot, a hot property to, to, to sell, but uh, I've been a little bit surprised with the amount of Alaska that's come across my desk. Uh, Italy and the Medi- you know, especially the Mediterranean from a cruise perspective, but from a land perspective, uh, Italy is, is always a top level destination. Um, and then, you know, I'm starting to see some buzz around South America and its river cruise offering since that's that's a relatively new thing. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of those. Uh, Ama Waterways has started uh, offering more river cruise opportunities in, in South America, and I think a few other uh, few other river lines are starting to follow suit. And so we've got some people that are asking questions there, especially because some people maybe still don't have the level of comfort uh, around certain areas of the world due to, you know, so geopolitical issues, you know, things that are going on in UK- Ukraine and Israel. So they're maybe looking at some destinations that they hadn't considered before for that reason. So what would be your advice to our travel advisor listeners right now to excel this wave season? So I, I think the, the first thing is to identify a couple of really good opportunities that are out there. Uh, when, if you have a couple of suppliers that you work really well with, give them a call. Give your BDM over there a call and just say, hey, where do you have softness? Where do you have uh, areas uh, and times of year that maybe aren't necessary, necessarily filling up? Uh, and that's usually where you're going to find your best deals at. So those are the opportunities that you can kind of market to. I would also try to, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of people that are asking questions around, hey, we want to do something new, unique, and different, but we have no idea what it is. What do you recommend? And that's such a loaded question, right, because it looks different for every individual. But I always try to find one or two destinations that are maybe not necessarily on everyone's radar that I can bring forward. For me, that's the South American River Cruise this year. Uh, that's not necessarily on everyone's radar. Some people doesn't don't even know that that opportunity exists. And so for me to be able to say, hey, you know, here's something that you might want to think about that you haven't considered before. And you're already going to get what's naturally going to come in around the Caribbean and and the other types of business that you're you're usually good at. But finding the unique things uh, and the areas that represent a specific value that I hadn't considered before, those are what are going to take your agency from performing well to performing extremely well. Great advice there. So anything else you want to add wave season related or anything to plug or, you know, where can people get in touch with you or follow you if they've uh, got anything to reach out about anything you want to plug? Take it away, man. Best advice I can give is buckle up. 
<laughs> it's going to be a, you're going to work a few more hours than you might traditionally try to uh, build some work-life balance in there best you can, but you also have to strike while the iron's hot. And so this is the time to make your money. Uh, if anybody would like to follow us, you can find us on Facebook at We Book Travel LLC. Uh, feel free to reach out to us there at any point. Uh, and I wish everyone an absolutely fantastic wave season. There is a lot of business out there, and there are not nearly enough of us as travel advisors. So go out there, uh, make relationships, and go uh, go sell to your heart's content. I love it. Thanks so much for joining, Jesse. Thanks, Eric. Hey, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. And we will uh, be touching on Icon of the Seas later on in January after my sailing. So um, thanks again for listening, everyone. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. But we'll be back and talk and travel next week, too. So thank you for listening. Have a great week. 